You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Global Trade This Week. I'm Doug Draper. I'm one of the hosts um, that's on the show, and and, uh, um, Pete is uh, on assignment, quote unquote, and so we get to have Keenan jump on this week, and uh, it's always great topics and great to have you uh, fill in, Keenan. So what's going on, my man? How are you doing? Doing well today. Happy to fill in, and um, I don't know if he mentioned it already, but we'll have to get the breakdown of uh, his on assignment when uh, Pete comes back. Looking forward (laughs) to that. Um, Yeah. I find myself uh, not traveling. I'm here in Colorado. Um, how about you? Where are you today? Yeah, well, when you see a, a chair behind me, right, usually I'm in a little cubicle doing this thing from Denver, but today I'm in the great city of Fresno, California. And um, I went down to LA yesterday. It's about a three and a half hour drive. Uh, two things. I'd never driven over Raton Pass, which is the pass that basically separates you know, Fresno into LA. So that was pretty crazy. Um, it's not a zigzag pass like people would expect in, in Colorado, but um, up and over and in the rain, Keenan, it was a little funky. So here's my assessment of all the rain, right? National news, it's a big market. And for you and I, it was raining, but it wasn't like crazy rain. It was just constant and, and hmm. consistent. So not that big of a deal. But when you jump on a six, seven lane highway in uh, Los Angeles with traffic and trucks, the splashback is what was uh, was crazy. I was driving at night and uh, it was a little nutty. So, yeah, the rain was down there. It wasn't wasn't crazy, but highways, yeah, I'll, I'll check that box, man. That was a little bit uh, a little bit pretty crazy. sketchy. Yeah, I can believe it on uh, those roads. And I haven't been following the story too closely, but I've been hearing about flooding. So even if it's been light rain over maybe a big area consistently, uh, is that adding up in flooding and causing damage? Have you seen or yeah, uh, most I, just, of I haven't really looked into it? Yeah, it's, you know, it's all the hillsides and stuff that's up. And I don't know the LA area very well, but it's up north Bel Air and, you know, north of UCLA and uh, those type of areas where it's steep. And uh, there's beautiful homes that are on the sides of cliffs. I think that's those are what's what's doing it. But you know what? I'm hanging out in Carson, California, which is just next to Compton, and it's full of warehouses and trucks. So uh, other than some rain on the roads, no big deal. Well, everyone going out on the roads, be safe, um, especially in the rain. Cool. All right. Well, we got some great topics today, Keenan, and I think we decided you'll lead it off, and uh, yeah. then we have a, a combo halftime that we'll talk about. So let's get this party started. Great. Well, let's try something new here today and share my screen. Something I wanted to bring to the table is a visualization of some of the world's shipping lanes. So this is a story reported on by Visual Capitalist. They um, provide some great insights. You can log in and check out their website and or get their emails. But this story, um, they're actually citing someone on Twitter called Python Maps. And Python Mm -hmm. is an incredibly useful programming language that has a, a lot of scientific and industry type users because of its ease in learning how to use it compared to um, you know lower level assembly and those types of programming languages. So a lot of scientists use it and then there's a lot of packages. So people use it for GIS, geospatial type um, intelligence work here. And so this uh, isn't super up to date. It's like a couple years old, but it's definitely interesting to see 
the choke points of where yeah. these lines yeah. kind of converge around um, and really form these areas of high traffic. And Perfect. so some yep. of the ones we've been talking about for a while with various things in the Middle East, you can see the obvious uh, separation there um, and how important that is connecting Europe and America uh, to the Middle East and India and this whole area in Asia. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go through some of these we probably know pretty well, um, but then yeah. some of them are also maybe less well known. So Panama, definitely know and cover. Um, the Straits of Malacca, don't know that I hear or read about that all the time. I'm sure Pete would have um, some more stories about some of these other ones. <laughs> the Danish Straits, the Suez Canal, we cover a lot. Very striking. Yeah. Strait of Hormuz. The English Channel, famous. Yeah. And yeah, so just wanted to share that. It's a good um, visual capitalist is a good follow. And also the, um, I'll pull up his Twitter here. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that first one with the global uh, perspective is, is really solid. It just, like I said, the visual, it validates, you know, a couple of the key arteries that uh, impact the global trade for sure. Let me share my screen real quick. So you can see they have quite a few libraries for GIS. Um, I've only played with a couple of these. I've done a lot more of these data science type, um, but just to understand how people are making some of these charts with uh, some of the industry data, this is a powerful resource to do it. Um, and if you just like to watch, you can look at Visual Capitalist or follow Python Maps. Um, this account's been around for three years. It looks like they just celebrated their anniversary uh, with the topic of Rome. And not everyone thinks about Rome all the time, but some people <laughs> think about it <laughs> quite frequently. And I guess the first map that they had posted was uh, a recreation of all the roads that the Romans built within the Europe and North African Mediterranean Levant area and turned that into kind of a vector image. And then you can kind of see, depending on the data set, they can do population densities. Um, yeah. Sometimes this account makes them or sometimes they'll just share other cool maps. I'm a big fan of maps. I like visual yeah. um, representations of data. So wanted to look at those uh, straights and then also share this uh, Python maps and visual capitalist as a resource nice. for you and our followers. Cool. So my question to you, Keenan, are you getting paid to hype up those those sites there? I want to know. These are not. I'm uh, going to be including the links just to, to help uh, spread the love. Um, I find value out of these resources and wanted to connect our audience to them. And no, this uh, random Twitter account is also not paying me. Nice. <laughs> no conflicts of interest, just, just enjoyment of content. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, there, a couple of comments I'll make on that with, with, with the canals. And we've talked about this and it's not, you know, new, new information, but um, the Panama and, and the Suez, right? I was trying to say, okay, well, those two are uh, really in a, in a state of flux right now, obviously. So Panama is that they've had 40% less rain in the fourth quarter than they normally do. That's their rainy season and they're just not getting any rain. And it's the driest it's been in 70 years. And the Panama Canal has been around since 1914, I think. So, um, you know, it's been around for 100 years and this is the driest it's been in 70. Um, so Panama is challenged with the large vessels moving through there. They're being queued up and things are moving slower. Obviously, Suez and the political instability going on over there. So then I was like, OK, what else is out there as far as canals? 
The third busiest canal is the Great Canal in China. Hmm. It's incredibly old. <laughs> and if you get a picture of it, it's more of people on gondola boats, uh, you know, pushing things. And that, that is basically moving product within intra uh, uh, China. And then there's the Corinth Canal, which uh, connects Corinth Gulf with the um, uh, Ionian Sea. Let's just say it's not a very popular or <laughs> very busy trade lane. So, so really, those two uh, are incredibly impactful, right? And um, there's two things that are coming out of that. Number one, people are starting to say that this could impact um, fourth quarter and the holiday season. As you know, that the volumes start coming in uh, middle to end of summer. And although that's still five, six months out, uh, it's going to happen sooner than later. So people are starting to say, hey, what, what's going to happen in, uh, in Q4? And the other piece is that Mexico is starting to hype um, an infrastructure project that would use rail through um, uh, Mexico to bypass the Panama Canal. And uh, Tuan Tupac, I think is how you pronounce it, Tuan Tupac, it's basically a, 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 you know, a, a rail where you would unload, put the container on the rail, and then reload it. So sounds good, but they're still looking for investors, which means they don't even have the money yet to really get into it and, and start moving forward. And then you have to have two vessels, one to unload and one to reload, uh, which is you know somewhat not realistic. So, hey, it's nice to know there's some creativity out there, um, but the big picture on this one, Keenan, is that those are two of the largest, um, or, or two of the largest um, on global trade, and, and they're a mess right now. And I think we're gonna see ripple effects for a long time, we've spoken about that, but I think it's being underscored the longer that those two are in are in a state of flux. So yeah, it'll be very interesting. The fact that it could impact the Q4 and the holiday season is, is very interesting. And before that is back to school. So uh, so we'll see. We'll see what's going to transpire. Absolutely. They are key. And uh, these current crises and influences of sorts probably is driving more of that interest in what could be some alternatives. But to your point, those aren't going to be in place tomorrow and or yep. even next year. Those are longer term type plans um, that wouldn't offer relief for shippers here and now, um, yeah. but is interesting to see and keep an eye on in the long run. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to add on to the topic of Panama. Um, let me share my screen. Another piece I saw this week from Visual Capitalists, again, not paid, but do check them out if you like uh, different <laughs> visualizations. Rather than them just sharing a random Twitter account, this is the type of work that um, they produce. Uh, various different types of infographics um, on all sorts of economic issues, but um, the economy is very closely tied to shipping. So there are, is quite a bit of good content there. But as you can see, kind of breaking down a lot of containers going through, also a lot of dry bulk. I know that's something we've mentioned um, going through the Panama Canal, soybeans and various agricultural goods, which, you know, we didn't have as much agricultural exports in North America, um, kind of in, in going along with the lack of rain down in the Panama Canal region, but that could become more and more of a problem. Um, what if uh, North America has a bigger um, production year this year and the Panama hasn't caught up on their rain? They've already passed their rainy season, as you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, that affects a lot of cars. It affects a lot of uh, natural gas and chemicals. Um, it affects a lot of things. So there's not gonna be a new rail um, canal of sorts tomorrow. That is an interesting project I hadn't heard of. We'll, Keep an eye on that for uh, the longer term, but yeah. in the meantime, 
um, people still have to move things. Yeah, it's just not Fendi handbags rolling through the Panama Canal, right? I mean, the vast majority raw materials, agriculture um, that uh, indirectly impact us. So cool. All right. Well, I got to give a shout out to you and uh, Cap Logistics. Uh, Keenan, you, you bring this uh, show to light and obviously uh, kind of sponsor, if you will, the halftime that Pete and I usually do. And I think this go around, uh, we're going to kind of tag team something that's very relevant. That's about to hit us here in a couple of days. And I'm not talking about Mardi Gras. I'm talking about Chinese New Year. Uh, and I'm not even sure if we're allowed to say that anymore, Keenan. Um, as far as Chinese New Year, I think it's just... The new year, the lunar new year, the lunar new year. Yes. Well, there is a Chinese new year, I believe. I think it's also celebrated by many other countries um, in the region. So probably lunar new year is most um, encompassing of the effects that we see. Not only are they celebrating, um, but um, as most of our listeners know, that also impacts manufacturing and shipping. I'm not sure if you're currently working with China on anything, but um, I've definitely noticed communications with people in China have already started to drop off, even though yeah. we're still days ahead. People begin traveling to join their family and friends for um, kind of a multi-day um, long period. Um, we've even had suppliers uh, share like mooncakes and different types of things during this time period. So happy to help uh, see, happy to see them celebrating, um, though that does turn off manufacturing for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. Crazy. So this year, right, um, is the year of the dragon, right? You got pigs and horses and stuff, but this is the <laughs> dragon. And and from what I've read is that um, there's a couple of things. One, year of the dragon is kind of like the badass year, right? It's the one to to move forward. And 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 uh, there's also two colors that associate with it, silver and gold. So if it's a uh, dragon year with silver and gold, which is what's about to happen, then um, it's going to be a pretty robust year. So, Keenan, if there's any decisions that you've been thinking about, any big life changes or things that you want to venture into, the year of the dragon is the year to do it. So I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of positive things coming out of this. So um, as far as me personally, all of my craziness is behind me with uh, relocating up the steamboat and, and all that kind of stuff. But, Keenan, if you are about ready to think of some life changes. The year of the dragon is the way to do it, man. It, that's a kick-ass year. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on year of the dragon? Excellent. I uh, am excited about 2024. Um, the year of the dragon is ostensibly the coolest. I'm not sure if I know all the Chinese zodiacs or lunar new year type zodiac characters, but some of them are like rats and different things. So I mean, dragon's very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, I am actually of the dragon sign based on my birth year. So, you know, extra power my way um, yeah. have to make the most of it this year. Yeah, yeah. Definitely excited about the year of the dragon. Cool. Well, we'll have to take that mindset and see if there's some cool stuff we can do here with the show and uh, make it more engaging. You threw some, uh, uh, some, some charts up there from visual visualization. So uh, let's get creative. So my commitment, Keenan, let's get some creativity. Not, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm saying collectively you, me, Pete, Absolutely. Uh, let's try something new with global let's trade here in 2024. Let's do it. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, Keenan, again, thanks to Cap Logistics for, uh, for making it happen. And our audience out there, visit caplogistics.com. I'll take care of you on your, on your uh, supply chain needs. So, all right, man, I think you're up for the second topic here. That's, yeah. that's right. I'll let you uh, start off. Sounds good. I will go ahead and share my screen again. Second topic, wanted to look into 
outlooks on U.S. clean energy. So again, looking at Visual Capitalist today, um, they made this cool infographic all about the different sources and the percentage change um, of what's going on here. So of our clean energy, most of it is in wind power, but that's seeing more and more marginal um, increases, 5% as opposed to 40 within solar rapidly catching up, um, probably overtaking, who knows? But again, both of those are kind of um, while the sun is shining or while the wind is blowing. And that um, is probably explaining this down here to the left, the plus 82% um, on gigawatts of battery storage. So my interpretation is that this is grid level storage so that you're mm -hmm. able to harness and capture the sun energy and wind energy when it's available and in surplus and then make it available for uh, loads elsewhere in the time spectrum. Um, one disappointing part on this to me, at least I think is the nuclear aspect here. Um, it doesn't seem like it's growing very much. And when I see nuclear in the news, it's usually a plant is closing or a plant was about to close and they're going to sunset it for an extra 18 months or something just to try to keep it going. Um, but that is uh, something I see and wish there'd be more of. Um, I might also post link, this link in here. Um, Subject Zero Science here has a, a new video on thorium. I may have mentioned thorium with Pete or you in the past, but this video is a is a good update on what the concept is, as well as why it hasn't quite taken off yet and or what are some of the challenges coming up. Um, and one of the big ones they mentioned is public perception. Nuclear definitely has a PR problem. Yeah. Um, obviously, people are against nuclear proliferation, but that also impedes some of the small modular nuclear reactors, which are now gaining some steam, um, as well as some new fuel types like this whole thorium cycle that makes it a little challenging. Yeah, so that stack of papers, this was all the paperwork that was needed for the small modular nuclear reactors, <laughs> let alone switching the fuel cycle and doing all that sort of stuff. So yeah. challenges to overcome there, but is important if we're going to be um, using clean energy and having cheap available energy for countries around the world, not only the Western world um, in the North American region like we yeah. are, but also in India and in China. Um, I know this has been an area where... There's also policy impacts. Um, I'm not 100% up to date on both of these, but quick stories kind of related. There's been some talk this week of whether intentionally or not, uh, coal exports are higher um, than ever, really. And a lot of that um, is going to India. India is making quite a few coal burning plants. And mm -hmm. then there's also export bans and different things on liquid natural gas, uh, liquefied natural gas, LNG, that has been increasingly an export of U.S. production and um, in increasing need over in Europe as uh, countries need to heat themselves and have cheap, affordable electricity. And there's not necessarily the friendly relations or even pipelines in existence now between yeah. Russia and Europe. So all these things kind of have an interplay. Um, they obviously impact transportation. So wanted to give a quick update as a lot of companies are putting together their sustainability efforts, looking at the numbers, trying to move in the right direction um, that is going on. And I guess in closing here, kind of on that topic, uh, CAP is proud to announce we will have our last phase of uh, solar panels installed and operational this week um, on Friday. So um, we will be able to use solar power and battery power for our own operations 24-7. And then we're making an additional 100% available 
um, to the community surrounding us in Denver. So trying to make the accessibility of clean energy more widely available because in a lot of cases, um, it is more expensive. And so people need both clean and um, affordable electricity. Yeah, nice. Well, get off the grid, man. Caps That's right. Love <laughs> That's right. That, that, that way, Cap's also up and running even when the grid goes down because uh, sometimes we need to help get the grid back up. Yeah, yeah. So um, one comment on yours, and then that dovetails into my second topic. Number one, the nuclear piece. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you mentioned perception, right? So when you hear nuclear, people think of nuclear bomb, which right. means war. People think of Three Mile Island, which happened, I think that was in the 70s, right? When I was just barely alive, that was negative. And then Chernobyl, right? So you have all these perceptions that are still taking a lot of time. Throwing Fukushima, that's even more recent too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Japan. It's crazy. So it's just, you know, you, you only hear about the negative and not the positive. But, you know, those are horrific situations that certainly transpired. But you know, there is so much potential there. It's just of any of those energies. It's um, wind is gentle. Sun warms us. Nuclear is bombs. Nuclear is meltdown. Nuclear is, you know, is uh, is a perception that needs to be changed. I don't know. I mean, that's got to be a massive campaign to try to change that. It's, it's interesting. But yeah, um, I need some rebranding as well as getting through the hurdles. Um, it is complicated science, obviously, complicated business. Um, the video also discusses that there's maybe some resistance to change where there's a current um, way of doing business with uranium and the regulator- regulatory environment is all kind of crafted around that. And that isn't really friendly to a brand new fuel cycle like thorium, which I think some of the benefits they describe is much more abundant, um, but right. then also maybe less capable of making bombs. I don't know if that's completely true. You could probably still do some dirty type of situation, but maybe not the like uh, high yield nuclear weapons that we had seen in the Cold War. But you're right. Maybe it needs a totally new rebranding, new category, not called nuclear, but something else <laughs> entirely. <laughs> something something funny. And then Mission Impossible stops need, uh, needs to stop... Uh, Having their storylines against uh, plutonium that's being being uh, mm. uh, being stolen. So anyway, it's nuts. So um, you know, my last topic is related to the battery thing that you had mentioned, and uh, my take is the electric vehicle piece of it. And Keenan, you better watch out because the Chinese are coming to eat Elon Musk's lunch. Right? I used a different term when I was talking to you earlier that would be inappropriate for this show, but. Um, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, EV manufacturer, BYD, BYD, is in China, and they are ramping up production. And one of the unique things that happened with their development, uh, Kian, is adjacent technologies that they were working on. So the uh, the founder and the team that kind of merged uh, BYD is number one. They worked on cell phone batteries, so they've had you know legacy business with batteries, and then there was a um, an auto, a company that was just making automobiles, which was legacy. So rather than say, we're going to make an EV vehicle, they had worked with batteries and cars, and now they're merging them together. Like your chocolate's in my peanut butter or your peanut butter's in my chocolate. Um, but they are, they are taking this, uh, the world by storm with their EVs and they are starting to export them um, all over the world. And it's gotten so prolific with the demand of their EVs is that um, they are starting to um, reconfigure and charter 
their own row rows, right? So roll on, roll off. It's a type of vessel where you'll see all these cars literally drive on, park, and then they, they take them overseas and put them on the vessel. So, you know, you have the, the Kias and the, and, uh, the Toyotas, uh, you know, Hondas, Subarus of the world. They already have contracts with all the row rows. It's a unique piece of equipment. Uh, and so with uh, BYD coming in the market, there's just no equipment for them to move their product and it is a huge demand. And so they are essentially saying, we're going to go vertical. We're just going to get our own boats and our own row rows and we're going to retrofit them. We're going to take existing vessels and we're going to retro them to row rows and we're going to just you know create our own. So I think my point there is that the um, EV technology through adjacent uh, business units, the cell phone batteries, and then cars are being fused together. And uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to hear those three letters, BYD, uh, a lot more in the upcoming months. And, and uh, I, I don't know if they're going to come and eat Tesla's lunch, but um, I guarantee on a global perspective, uh, they're going to start taking market share and, and you're going to learn a lot about them. So um, they're embracing that battery technology for sure. Well, great story. Um, I have heard of BYD. I hadn't heard of that news of them now starting to export. I was just searching around and saw this. There's an actual picture of that um, row row there in the background, fully branded BYD. And it sounds like they're taking it to India. They're taking it to the Netherlands, Germany. So they're finding a way to get their product out. So um, yeah, I've often thought of China as a um, importer of cars from different places, including Tesla. Um, but when I was there, that also saw lots of Buicks and um, those types of American cars, as well as lots of Mercedes and those European cars. But now it looks like China is becoming more like Japan and producing and exporting BYD cars are not just for the Chinese anymore, but yeah, they yeah. um, will be shipping around. So we'll yeah. keep an eye on that. Um, very, very interesting. Yeah, Battery cool. tech is a, is a big piece for vehicles or the grid, um, yeah. major breakthroughs yeah. and or just economics of them who can make them cost effective. Um, it's going to be a big question here. Yeah. Yeah. People drive electric vehicles outside of the U.S., right? <laughs> it's a big, big, gigantic market. So I think it would be important for our listeners to keep those initials in the back of your mind. So I think with that one, Keenan, we're going to wrap this show up, right? Um, I think that's it for Global Trade this week. I want to first off thank our listeners for engaging. Um, we do appreciate that. I know we post um, on LinkedIn and then you can uh, you know, hear or listen to the show on, on all the podcast uh, channels, if you will. Keenan, I want to thank you for, uh, for filling in. I think Pete, I don't know, we'll give him his take, but um, I think he'll give it a, an A uh, on on this show. So thanks again for that. And then finally, thanks to Cap Logistics for making it all come together. I know you push the buttons behind the scene, but Cap's also involved for giving us this platform. So as I say in my post, namaste. Thank you very much. So anything else to add, Pete? Or uh, I'm sorry, Keenan, before we uh, before we jump off. Appreciate your uh, optimism of how we did. I uh, imagine Pete will have some constructive cr uh, <laughs> feedback, not criticism, constructive <laughs> feedback on uh, how we did our topics and uh, our performance, but we'll be interested to hear his take and an update next week um, on his assignment. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it. Appreciate everybody listening. Keenan, we'll talk to you later, my friend. Talk soon. Thanks. Okay. See you.